0: Chapter Three of The Phantom of the Opera by Gaston Leroux. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Three The Mysterious Reason During this time, the farewell ceremony was taking place i have already said that this magnificent function was being given on the occasion of the retirement of m de Bienne and m poligny who had determined to die game as we say nowadays they had been assisted in the realization of their ideal though melancholy programme by all that counted in the social and artistic world of paris all these people met after the performance in the foyer of the ballet where Sorelli waited for the arrival of the retiring managers with a glass of champagne in her hand, and a little prepared speech at the tip of her tongue. Behind her, the members of the corps de ballet, young and old, discussed the events of the day in whispers, or exchanged discreet signals with their friends, a noisy crowd of whom surrounded the supper-tables, arranged along the slanting floor. A few of the dancers had already changed into ordinary dress, but most of them wore their skirts of gossamer gauze and all had thought it the right thing to put on a special face for the occasion all that is except little Jeanne, whose fifteen summers happy age seemed already to have forgot the ghost and the death of joseph bouquet she had never ceased to laugh and chatter to hop about and play practical jokes until messieurs de Bienne and poligny appeared on the steps of the foyer when she was severely called to order by the impatient Sorelli. Everybody remarked that the retiring managers looked cheerful, as in the Paris way. None will ever be a true Parisian who has not learned to wear a mask of gaiety over his sorrows, and one of sadness, boredom, or indifference over his inward joy. You know that one of your friends is in trouble. Do not try to console him. He will tell you he is already comforted, but should he have met with good fortune, be careful how you congratulate him. He thinks it so natural that he is surprised that you should speak of it. In Paris, our lives are one masked ball, and the foyer of the ballet is the last place in which two men, so knowing as M. de bienne and M. Poligny, would have made the mistake of betraying their grief, however genuine it might be and they were already smiling rather too broadly upon sorelli who had begun to recite her speech when an exclamation from that little madcap of a jams broke the smile of the manager so brutally that the expression of distress and dismay that lay beneath it became apparent to all eyes the opera ghost yelled these words in a tone of unspeakable terror and her finger pointed among the crowd of dandies to a face so pallid so lugubrious and so ugly, with two such deep black cavities under the straddling eyebrows, that the death's head in question immediately scored a huge success. The Opera Ghost! ghost. Oh the Opera ghost. ghost! Everybody laughed and pushed his neighbor and wanted to offer the Opera Ghost a drink, but he was gone. He had slipped through the crowd, and the others vainly hunted for him, while two gentlemen tried to calm little Jeanne and while little giri stood screaming like a peacock sorelli was furious she had not been able to finish her speech the managers had kissed her thanked her and run away as fast as the ghost himself no one was surprised at this for it was known that they were to go through the same ceremony on the floor above in the foyer of the singers and that finally they were themselves to receive their personal friends for the last time in the great lobby outside the manager's office where a regular supper would be served here they found the new managers m armand Moncharmin and m fermin richard whom they hardly knew nevertheless they were lavish in protestations of friendship and received a thousand flattering compliments in reply so that those of the guests who had feared that they had a rather tedious evening in store for them at once put on their brighter faces the supper was almost gay and a particularly clever speech of the representative of the government mingling the glories of the past with the successes of the future caused the greatest cordiality to prevail the retiring managers had already handed over to their successes the two tiny master keys which opened all the doors thousands of doors of the opera house and those little keys the object of general curiosity were being passed from hand to hand when the attention of some of the guests was diverted by their discovery at the end of the table of that strange wan and fantastic face with the hollow eyes which had already appeared in the foyer of the ballet and been greeted by little Jean's exclamation the opera ghost there sat the ghost as natural as he could be except that he neither ate nor drank those who began by looking at him with a smile ended by turning away their heads for the sight of him at once provoked the most funereal thoughts no one repeated the joke of the foyer no one exclaimed there's the opera ghost he himself did not speak a word and his very neighbours could not have stated at what precise moment he had sat down between them but every one felt that if the dead did ever come and sit at the table of the living they could not cut a more ghastly figure the friends of firmin richard and armand Moncharmin thought this lean and skinny guest was an acquaintance of debiennes or poligny while debiennes and poligny's friends believed that the cadaverous individual belonged to firmin richard and armand Moncharmin's party the result was that no request was made for an explanation no unpleasant remark no joke in bad taste which might have offended this visitor from the tomb a few of those present who knew the story of the ghost and the description of him given by the chief scene-setter they did not know of joseph bouquet's death thought in their own minds that the man at the end of the table might easily have passed for him yet according to the story the ghost had no nose and the person in question had but, monsieur moncharmin declares in his memoirs that the guest's nose was transparent long thin and transparent are his exact words i for my part will add that this might very well apply to a false nose monsieur moncharmin may have taken for transparency what was only shininess every one knows that orthopedic science provides beautiful false noses for those who have lost their noses naturally or as the result of an operation Did the ghost really take a seat at the manager's supper-table that night, uninvited? And can we be sure that the figure was that of the opera-ghost himself? Who would venture to assert as much? I mention the incident not because I wish for a second to make the reader believe, or even to try to make him believe, that the ghost was capable of such a sublime piece of impudence, but because, after all, the thing is impossible.' Monsieur Armand Moncharmin, in chapter 11 of his memoirs, says,
1: When I think of this first evening, I cannot separate the secret confined to us by Monsieurs de Bienne and Poligny in their office from the presence at our supper of that ghostly person whom none of us knew.
0: What happened was this. Monsieurs de Bienne and Poligny, sitting at the centre of the table, had not seen the man with the death's head. Suddenly he began to speak.
2: The ballet girls are right. He said, The death of that poor Bouquet is perhaps not so natural as people think.
0: And Poligny gave a start. Is Is Bouquet Bouquet dead? dead? They cried. Yes, replied the man, or the shadow of a man quietly.
2: He was found this evening, hanging in the third cellar, between a farmhouse and a scene from the Roy de la Hoare
0: the two managers or rather ex-managers at once rose and stared strangely at the speaker they were more excited than they need have been that is to say more excited than any one need be by the announcement of the suicide of a chief scene-setter they looked at each other they had both turned whiter than the tablecloth. at last debienne made a sign to monsieur richard and montchamin poligny muttered a few words of excuse to his guests and all four went into the manager's office i leave monsieur moncharmin to complete the story in his memoirs he says
1: Messieurs de Bienne and Poligny seemed to grow more and more excited and they appeared to have something very difficult to tell us first they asked us if we knew the man sitting at the end of the table who had told them of the death of joseph bouquet and when we answered in the negative they looked still more concerned They took the master keys from our hands, stared at them for a moment, and advised us to have new locks made with the greatest secrecy, for the rooms, closets, and presses that we might wish to have hermetically closed. They said this so funnily that we began to laugh, and to ask if there were thieves at the opera. They replied that there was something worse, which was the ghost. We began to laugh again, feeling sure that they were indulging in some joke that was intended to crown our little entertainment then at their request we became serious resolving to humour them and to enter into the spirit of the game they told us that they never would have spoken to us of the ghost if they had not received formal orders from the ghost himself to ask us to be pleasant to him and to grant any request that he might make however in their relief at leaving a domain where that tyrannical shade held sway they had hesitated until the last moment to tell us of this curious story which our sceptical minds were certainly not prepared to entertain but the announcement of the death of Joseph Bouquet had served them as a brutal reminder that whenever they had disregarded the ghost's wishes some fantastic or disastrous event had brought them to a sense of their dependence during these unexpected utterances made in a tone of the most secret and important confidence i looked at richard richard in his student days had acquired a great reputation for practical joking and he seemed to relish the dish which was being served up to him in his turn he did not miss a morsel of it though the seasoning was a little gruesome because of the death of bouquet, he nodded his head sadly while the other spoke, and his features assumed the air of a man who bitterly regretted having taken over the opera, now that he knew that there was a ghost mixed up in the business. I could think of nothing better than to give him a servile imitation of this attitude of despair. However, in spite of all our efforts, we could not, at the finish, help bursting out laughing in the faces of Messieurs de Bienne and Poligny who seeing us pass straight from the gloomiest state of mind to one of the most insolent merriment acted as though they thought that we had gone mad the joke became a little tedious and richard asked half seriously and half in jest but after all what does this ghost of yours want Monsieur poligny went to his desk and returned with a copy of the memorandum book the memorandum book begins with a well-known word saying that the management of the opera shall give the performance of the national academy of music the splendour that becomes the first lyric stage in france and ends with clause ninety eight which says that the privilege can be withdrawn if the manager infringes the conditions stipulated in the memorandum-book this is followed by the conditions which are four in number the copy produced by m Poligny was written in black ink and exactly similar to that in our own possession except that at the end it contained a paragraph in red ink and in a queer laboured handwriting as though it had been produced by dipping the heads of matches into the ink the writing of a child that has never got beyond the downstrokes and has not learned to join its letters this paragraph ran word for word as follows
2: or if the manager in any month delay for more than a fortnight the payment of the allowance which he shall make to the opera ghost an allowance of twenty thousand francs a month say two hundred and forty thousand francs a
1: year Monsieur Poligny pointed with a hesitating finger to the last clause which we certainly did not expect is that all does he not want anything else asked richard with the greatest coolness yes he does replied Polygny. and he turned over the pages of the memorandum-book until he came to the clause specifying the days on which certain private boxes were to be reserved for the free use of the president of the republic the ministers and so on at the end of this clause a line had been added also in red ink
2: box five on the grand tier shall be placed at the disposal of the opera ghost for every performance
1: when we saw this there was nothing else for us to do but to rise from our chairs shake our two predecessors warmly by the hand and congratulate them on thinking of this charming little joke which proved that the old french sense of humour was never likely to become extinct Michaud added that he now understood why M. de Bienne and Poligny were retiring from the management of the National Academy of Music. Business was impossible with so unreasonable a ghost. "'Certainly.
2: Two hundred and forty thousand francs are not to be picked up for the asking,'
1: said M. Poligny, without moving a muscle of his face. "'And have you considered what the loss
2: over Box Five meant to us? We did not sell at once. And not only that.' but we had to return the subscription why it's awful we really can't work to keep ghosts we prefer to go away
0: yes
1: echoed Monsieur de bien
0: we prefer to go away let us go
1: and he stood up richard said but after all it seems to me that you were much too kind to the ghost if i had such a troublesome ghost as that i should not hesitate to have him arrested
2: but But how how? where Where?
1: they cried in chorus
2: we have never never seen seen him. him
1: but when he comes to his
2: box we have never seen him in his box
1: then sell it
0: sell the opera ghost's box well gentlemen try it
1: Thereupon we all four left the office. Michaud and I had never laughed so much in our lives.
0: End of chapter 3